Thank you for visiting Crossland Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. I want to just recap what we talked about a little bit last week. We're in this just little, uh, kind of the beginning of the year, uh, kind of thoughts and meanderings kind of thing from Philippians 3. Last week we talked about the fact that Paul has this history, this past, and I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I know that many times in my prayer life, what has hindered my prayers, even though I I understand grace and I believe in grace and believe that I'm saved by grace, um, I know that, that, you know, things that, that I've, mistakes I've made, stupid things that I've done, have a way of rearing their ugly head right about the time I try and pray. You ever have that happen to you where you're really going to get close to God and next thing you know, up comes a memory, up comes a bad experience, up comes something that you don't want anybody else to know about but you and God know about it and the devil knows about it and he starts to remind you of those things. And so Paul last week, uh, we looked at a passage out of Philippians 3 where he talked about you know, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward the call, the, the goal. Um, we, we talked about leaving things in the past, which is very hard for a lot of people to do. I, I get to do my fair share of, of counseling with folks, and, and whenever I get that experience, many times uh, what we're fighting against often is, is stuff that's in the past and things that, that you know, will... We'll, a lot of times when I'm talking to people about coming to Christ, one of the problems that they have is, Brett, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know what kind of life I've lived. You don't know the words that have come out of this mouth and what these eyes have seen and what these hands have touched. And if you know me, you know me well enough to know that my response to that is always going to be the same. I don't care what you've done. Jesus doesn't care what you've done. What Jesus cares about is that you come to him. Uh, you know, we can know that in our head um, sometimes getting the heart to buy into that is a whole nother thing i want to continue this morning with some of the thoughts that that last week raised up because we end in a, a kind of a, a, a i guess where you would expect us to be to end today as we start off a new year um let me read you a passage for this comes out of philippians 3 this is the second part of what we read last week uh, not that i have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, you can kind of hear this, this unfinished business kind of feel to what he's trying to say. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It certainly stands to reason that if we are going to be all that God calls us to be, and if we are going to achieve everything that God wants us to achieve, there has to be this this forgetting part, this part where we just get over whatever it is. If you've ever heard someone look, use the expression, get over yourself, sometimes I think we need to do that. I think we need to get over ourselves and some of the mistakes we've made and, and bad things that we've done. I would say this, godliness does not happen by accident you're not going to get godly by accident that is a very on purpose thing nobody wakes up on tuesday godly i mean you don't go to bed ungodly on monday night and wake up tuesday and 
and uh, suddenly you've figured it out. I mean, that's not how it's going to work. Paul uses the expression, I press on. I strain. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to put all these up on the wall so you don't have to jump all over the place. You might want to kind of camp out in Philippians 3 just because that's kind of our base thing this morning. And like I said, we're not real, real long this morning anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Everyone who competes in the English Standard Version, and I doubt very many of you have that this morning, the English, English Standard Version uses these words, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. There are several pieces this morning to this I kind of want to look at. Uh, first of all, when he says every athlete, <laughs> in that discussion, that probably does not include you and me, okay? Just to kind of, I hate to break that to you. I know you might think yourself, if you, you know, you may won the bowling league last year. I'm just here to tell you that's probably not who he's talking about. Those of us who are on softball teams and think that we're athletes, he's probably not talking about those of us who, who would like to think that we're stellar athletes most of the people that play sports in this country play recreationally. Most of the people that play sports, um, if they strain too hard, are going to pull something, probably something they didn't even know they had. So, so when he uses the, the phrase athlete, that we have a tendency to liberally apply that to us, and that is not who he's talking about here. You know, I don't, I don't want you to hear every athlete and then lean back, put your arm around your wife and go, I know what he's talking about. It's not talking about you. He's saying that at the highest level of athletics, the, the level where you just sit back and marvel at how good someone can be at something. I've had the occasion in the last year to sit uh, almost courtside at a pacer game, and it is amazing to watch world-class athletes who run and jump and shoot every day of their life, and that's what they've dedicated their entire life to, and, and to have played that sport, not on a super high level, but I've, I've played it enough to know how hard it can be, to sit courtside and watch the ball fly up and down the floor and watch the ball only when they're dribbling. The rest of the time when they pass the ball and when they shoot the ball, it just seems to hover above the rim, and they jump so high those guys move so incredibly fast. I remember leaning over to Myra and saying, I just cannot believe how fast this game moves at this, at, you know, when you're on the ground. When, you, when you're in the nosebleed section and you watch it, it's, it's a different feel than when you're right down uh, courtside. I, was, I had a chance to um, help Troy Cuthbertson with the chains one time at a high school football game and was right there sideline and could not get over how fast the game moves when you are right there on the sideline. I've never done that with a professional game. I can't imagine. They say it's just unbelievable how fast it is. But, but you know, these are, these are athletes at the highest level, and they have disciplined their bodies. They have trained themselves. And, and every area of their life is really built around this idea of achieving at the highest level. And they have taken their body and basically made it submit to their will to be able to do these things to be able to get the most out of their bodies from what they eat to how they sleep to how they exercise the really good high 
the, 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 the Hall of Famers, the ones that, that we know as a household name, everything is designed to peak at an optimal performance level. And they do that, really, to win something that will not last forever. I think about somebody like, like Lance Armstrong. Sports Illustrated did a, an article one time on Lance Armstrong and the capacity that his lungs have for oxygen and, and the ability he has, the, the, the way his muscles are structured and, and his, his workout regimen and how hard he worked to be able to do this Tour de France thing. And he, he, he just, he's a, he's a machine. He's almost not human. But all that training and all that discipline and all that stuff that he did, he did to win something that will not last forever. You, you listen to a lot of the receivers in football are, are, you know, they're some of the best athletes in the world. They're sprinters. You know, they're, they're the guys that get out on the flanks and take off down the field and basically outrun everybody else and run under the football. And the really, really good ones, when you hear them talk about what they do in the offseason to be able to do what they do in season, it's just staggering. Rookies come into the league, and they go hang out with these guys that have been in the league for eight and ten years, and they say, yeah, I went and spent the summer with so-and-so, and I could not believe, I could not believe how hard he works. You just hear it all the time. They do it to win something that will not last forever. They asked uh, Tom Landry, the legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys one time, what, what's your job? And he said, my job is to get a bunch of grown men to do what they hate to do more than anything else in the world to get what they want more than anything else in the world. And he said, that I go to work every day and try and figure out some way to motivate these men to do the things that they really aren't all that inter- interested in to get the one thing that they signed up to do all this for in the first place, to win that, that prize. And so you read this, and, and, and I think what Paul's after is, you know, he, he, he shows us the example of what a world-class athlete does and what, what motivates an athlete like that. And then I think he would come behind that and say, but, you know, you've got to have that same kind of consuming discipline to be able to pursue that thing which isn't perishable, this thing that is going to last forever. You know, they do it for something that's not going to last. We do it for something that that not only lasts forever but is the, the most grand and glorious thing that you can imagine, an eternal life and a, 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 you know, a quality eternal life. Look at verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly, running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I beat my body and I make it my slave. That is a great literal translation of what's going on in this text. You see, in becoming the Philippians 3 kind of man or Philippians 3 kind of woman, I don't run aimlessly. I don't, I don't punch the air like, like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't go about this in such a way that, that I, I look foolish. I know where I'm going. I, I know I need to grow. I, I'm working a plan. I'm fighting an enemy that is in my path. 
You know, I don't, I don't go to church and sing some songs and, and say hi to everybody and, and uh, you know, read my Bible a little bit and, and join a small group and hope for the best. That's not, that, that will not, that by itself will not produce godliness in you or in me. Paul said, that's not what I do. I don't run aimlessly. I don't, I don't just throw my fist into the air looking like I don't really know what I'm doing. That's not the goal for Paul, and that shouldn't be the goal for us. He says, I will beat my body. I will make it my slave. You see, when, when things start to go bad for me, I don't know how you respond when things go bad for you. I, I can just speak for me. When things go bad for me, and, and I get frustrated, and I, I'm angry, and, and, and things just are not going good, um, what I want to do is get in my car and drive as fast as I can. I don't know what you do. That's what I want to do. I want to put on music that is loud and aggressive and turn it way, way up. I want to hit something. I want to beat somebody up, preferably somebody I can beat up, not somebody big and strong, somebody easy to beat up. I don't know what how you respond when things don't go your way. I don't know how you respond when, when life gets you to a place where you're frustrated and, and you, you ever have those days where nothing goes, you can't hold anything in your hands, you can't, any small hole, it's no one in the hole, you're gonna drop it. You know what I'm talking about, those kind of days? The kind of days where you wake up and you think you've got the whole day figured out how it's gonna go and what needs to happen and at the end of the day, you just shake your head and you say, man, I do, I do not know what happened to this day. When I go through days like that, I want to, to pursue all the wrong things. I want to do all the wrong things. My response to a bad day, my response to frustration, and my response to a day that does not come to me the way I expected it to come to me, I want to put all these things in life. I want to eat. I want to, I want to just lay down and take a nap. I want, I want to escape. I want to get away from it. But what I need, what I need is Christ. I need to take my life and my, my plans and, and my plans for that day and, and every, every hope and dream that I had for that day and lay those things at his feet and confess once again, Lord, I have taken the reins I have assumed control and leadership of a life that should be lived in you and through you and that you should really live through me. And I have basically said, I'll live it. I'll do it. Lord, I, I got this. Confess to him that I really did it my way and not his way. But that's the last thing I want to do. When life goes bad, when things don't go the way I want them to go, the last thing I want to do sometimes is to come front and center with Jesus and just confess and say, I've, <laughs> I've done this the wrong way. I think that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, this is what my flesh wants. I, I want... I want this, but that's, that's not what my flesh needs. 
I beat my body and I make it my slave. I know what I need. I I know where I need to go. I know where I need to get to. I know what I'm trying to do and I know the enemies of these things. I want to take you to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, what, what word does he use? Train. Rather, train yourself to be godly. That's a, that's a fascinating way to interpret, to put this verse relative to godliness. Train yourself for godliness. That, that word train, the Greek word is gymnasium. Sound familiar? Gymnasium. From where we get the word gymnasium. It means to, to, to sweat, to literally sweat your way to godliness. Train. Verse 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we, put, we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Tomorrow morning, the gym will be full. You understand that, right? You know that? The gym's going to be full in the morning. They're going to run out of towels. There are going to be people in there that don't know a, a barbell from the Liberty Bell. You know, the, the showers, if you have that kind of gym, aren't going to be real, readily accessible to you. And it's just going to be a mess. But six weeks from now, you could probably walk in and use any machine you want. Six weeks from now, the trainers will be available to you. Won't have near as much to do six weeks from now as they do tomorrow. Tomorrow probably isn't their finest hour or their best day. Six weeks from now, you can work to your heart's content. I heard the other day that, that uh, those who will start the new year on a training regimen inside of two weeks I think the figure was 40% of them will no longer be doing it six weeks later 50% of them are no longer doing it and 50% of them have allowed old habits to creep back in that will eventually devastate their plan to revitalize and reshape their bodies and their lives I think a lot of reason a lot of the reason that the gym will be so crowded in the morning is that people Say, you know, I need to get in better shape. I need to, I need to tone my body. I need to, uh, you know, I need to get in better shape. But they don't ever really define that and say what that is. They, they just, they, it's, it's, there's certain words that we're supposed to use this time of year, and one of them is, I just need to be in better shape. And so they, they go and they pay all this money, and a lot of times they really don't know what they're doing unless they've got somebody to stand there and help them and work them through it. And they sign up, and, and they really don't know what to do. I, I think the, the same thing happens to us spiritually. I have a, a clip that I, I want to show you uh, this morning that kind of lighten things, and also it's very true. Less time with God. I will hide my faith from my coworkers. 
this year I will spend more and tithe less. I will read the Bible as little as possible. I will remain silent when I know I should speak. This year. This year. This year. I will not share my faith with my best friend. I will shirk leadership responsibilities every chance I get. I will continue to justify my bad behavior. And give God my leftovers. This year. This year. This year, I will let the busyness of life squeeze God out. You did not start your year last year thinking that way. Yet some of the things that you heard are things that you would say, well, that could be said of my life, is that uh, I, without even knowing it, maybe some of those things became true. And as you start this year, you know, like I said last week, I don't know what it is that makes us think that we're going to be better this year than we were last year. Just, just because the calendar changes to a new number somehow we think that we're going to be better this coming year than we were last year you will not wake up tomorrow morning more godly by accident you will have to purpose to do it i think that what happens is is that sometimes we say things like you know i i'm i this year i'm going to get into the word more i'm going to get into my bible and i'm going to know it better and i'm going to read it to which i would say you probably won't well this year more than I did last year I just I'm going to I I need to be a better prayer and I need to pray longer and I need to pray more earnestly and more sincerely and I you know I hope that's true and I want that to be true of us I want that to be true of all of us but I would say back to you you probably won't well, I'm going to get into a small group and get involved, and I'm going to take on a ministry, and, and I'm going to really plug myself into Cross Lane, and I'm going to find my place to serve, and it's going to be better this year. And I would say back to that, I hope all that's true. But you probably won't if you don't train, if you don't strain, if you don't gymnasium, sweat, Because godliness doesn't happen because of want to. It happens because of straining and striving and training. Some people live life. Other people have life live them. Where are you in that? Do you, do you live life or does life live you? I got to be honest with you. I feel like a lot of days life lives me. I feel like if I were to be real honest at the end of some most of the days that I spent in 07, I would look back and say, if I asked myself, did you live that day or did that day live you? I don't think I'd like the answer most of the time. I think one of the things that I'm trying to just kind of focus myself on is to just, is to live my days and not have live me, to be a little more intentional. And I, you know, I don't know how you do this. I I've been to a lot of conferences this year, more than normal, um, for you know, kind of a unique reason, and we're in a unique place in the life of this church. But one of the things that I've tried to do is I've gone to conferences, and we've been going to, I've, since I've come to this church, I've been to a lot of conferences. I try not to go and then come back and do a wholesale, you know, do like a, a complete makeover. 
like a total home makeover that doesn't work in my life if I try and do that because what happens is after a while I just don't do anything what I try to do is find one or two things that that I think will really matter that are, are very pertinent to what's going on in my life or my leadership or my life as a pastor or whatever and try that will make me more effective make me more godly more spiritual or whatever try and find one or two things not ten things I, I, you know, I've been to tons of retreats, and one of the things I think about retreats is that you go and you, uh, I used to see this in youth ministry all the time with kids. We'd take kids to a CIY conference, and they would spend a week at CIY conference, and on Thursday night, they'd do this great big huge emotional appeal, and all these kids come flooding down the aisle, and I would have a talk with our kids on Wednesday night, and the talk was this, listen, tomorrow night, You've been away from your family for a week. You've been away from your, your bad influence friends for a week. You've been immersed in the Bible. You've heard and sang Christian songs, and everything's been uplifting. Tomorrow night, they're going to offer an invitation, and you're going to be tempted to give your life to Christ as a result of that. I'm asking you to wait until Sunday. Wait until Sunday. Come back home. Talk to your folks. Spend Saturday praying and reading your bible and getting yourself ready to really truly give yourself sometimes our intentions are great but they don't last very long and we get caught up i think you you know you might be hanging out with somebody right now and they're saying well i'm going to work out and you think yeah i'm going to do that too because that's what you're supposed to say at the end of December and the first part of January. And then all of a sudden, life lives you. If we're going to become Philippians 3 men and women, if we're going to become a Philippians 3 church, it says, I count all things loss as loss compared to knowing Christ. Remember last week, he, you know, we talked about the word he used was dung. Every, it wasn't like it was just kind of under knowing Christ, you know, whatever you would say is important in your life was just under that and came secondary. That's not what he said. What he said was, it is dung. It doesn't even compare. I don't know about you, but, but there's an awful lot of stuff in my life that not only would I not be able to say is, is dung, but I would say, <laughs> I'm not too sure that it doesn't take supremacy over Jesus. If we're going to become a church that, that counts all things as loss compared to knowing Christ, it is going to have to take some training. And we're going to have to be intentional about it. And you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be godly. You're going to have to train. You're going to have to sweat. Paul said, um, labor with me in prayer. Isn't that an interesting joining of words? work with me in prayer labor with me one thing we do forgetting what lies behind striving for what is ahead we press on striving I don't know what your plans are for 08 I don't know how you think life is going to be better I don't know what goals you have set and I you know it would be easy to listen to me talk this morning and think man he is just he is out to to <laughs> kill the dream that's not my goal not at all my goal is to just remind you that it doesn't happen by accident 
that just because you say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You're going to have to be very intentional in your life about uh, doing these things that you, you, your, your intentions are great, but it's going to take training and sweat. And, and you're going to have to protect your vision of what you want to happen in 08 from all of the normal things of life that will just come and pick away and start to eat and scrap at whatever it is that you've said needs to be in 08. Do you need to pray more? Then train for it. Do you need to read your Bible more? Do you need to uh, spend more time with the right kind of people? Then you've got to train for that. You've got to be very on purpose about that. You can't just hope that it's going to happen. Trust me, I'm the king of this. It's true for all of us. I, I, let's pray um, just now for our 08 that it is uh, an 08 that at the end of it we look up and we say I, I can honestly say that I've become more of a Philippians 3 kind of person let's pray together Father uh, Paul just it's staggering to think about what kind of man he was he spent you know 40 or 50 years of his life basically trying to kill the church at least Christianity as we know it he, 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 he did everything he could for the longest time to to see to it that Christianity never happened and then he has this beautiful conversion this, this amazing story here's a voice and somebody talking to him and he asked who it is and it was you Lord talking to him and you took that man and you transformed his life and you made him become one of the greatest leaders and one of the greatest missionaries and authors and one of the strongest most solid spiritual men that, that's ever walked the planet and God we compare ourselves to Paul and we just <laughs> we think we're not even close and it's really not like that at all we all have sinned and we all fall short of your glory like Paul, we would really like to be able to say that we count all things as loss compared to knowing you. Father, would you help us to see this morning that as we know you, the things that life throws us are not nearly as big an obstacle when we know you. When we experience things that are difficult and hard, we, we, we perform better when we know you. So, Father, this morning, our prayer is just to, that, that whatever it is that we feel you calling us to, that we wouldn't just let that be a good intention, but that we would train for it. We would, we would press for it. We would reach, strain, fight. That we would beat our body and make it our slave to be everything that you call us to be. Lord, we want to be a Philippians 3 church. We want to be Philippians 3 men and women. I, I know that we can't do that without you. So we invite you in. And just now we tell you that we love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.